Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Just before I went away, I might have mentioned it in church, but I felt God gave me these two words, tipping point. We're at a tipping point in history in 2023. And um, in 2006, writer Malcolm Gladwell published a book entitled The Tipping Point. Has anyone ever read that book? Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic leadership book. And really the premise, the principle of the book was that uh, the viral spread of an idea, product or disease is the result of repeated behaviors that build an accumulative effect or a critical mass. And when that tipping point is reached, a breakthrough occurs. And a collapse of a dam, a persistent trickle can turn into a flood. And you know what? Just as Malcolm Gladwell said that in the book, as I read that, I felt the same thing happens in the spiritual. The same spiritual principles apply. There are tipping points in the spirit where God releases his breakthrough. And as we repeat some of the things I'm going to say today, I believe one of God's name is Baal Perzam, which is God of the breakthrough. I believe there will be tipping point miracles, things that you've been believing for in the last year, two years, three years, and they haven't quite tipped over yet. But 2023 will be the moment where things begin to tip in your favor, where children return to their parents, grandchildren return. We're going to see miracles in business. We're going to see miracles in sickness turn into health. This is a tipping point year. 2023 is the year when God is going to tip things in our favor. In Jesus' name. Who is believing God for a break for a tipping point moment in 2023? I need things to tip. Things have been tipping in the wrong direction, but we're going to believe. So right, right now, lift up your hand if you need a tipping point miracle. Come on. Even if it feels like the, the dial is so far the other way right now, God is going to bring it back this year. Father, we ask you right now, we humble ourselves before you and we seek your face in 2023. And we believe you, God, that you can tip things back, Father God. Tip things back in our marriages, in our, in our homes, in our families, in this nation, Father God. This nation, we're not going to write off the UK, Father God. You can once again unite this nation. This nation can return back to you, Father God. We pray for tipping point faith, Father, this year. Lord, that all things will work together for good according to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give God some praise. All right, you can take your seats. We're going to see breakthroughs this year. Thank you, Stuart, all the worship team. Would you thank all the worship team? I don't know about you, but we're so blessed. Have such great team leading us every week. And I keep, keep asking myself as a church, what? God, do it again. Whatever you did in 2022, do it again and then top it up. Top it up. And as a church, we're believing for breakthroughs with our new building. We're believing for, this is a tipping point year for our new building. And uh, we need a tipping point revival of souls. I believe the return of Jesus is getting closer. And if that's foreign language to you, read the book of Revelation. 
Jesus is coming back to promise in his word. And, you know, I, I, I said to Chantel when we were away, I keep asking myself, how on earth have we arrived here as a nation? How has evil become good and good become evil? How has standing for the truth suddenly become a sin in this nation? How is God's word so readily being cancelled in society? And so, as a church, I'm believing that we are going to see tipping point moments again in our church and in our, in our nation. And could we be just one prayer away? That's why, that's why Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, pray without ceasing. He doesn't say pray, he says pray without ceasing because it, it tips things over. Now, we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 today. And Jesus gives us five very specific instructions how to trigger spiritual breakthroughs in our lives. This was Jesus, it's called the Sermon of the Mount. This was Jesus' first public sermon. Okay, it's the first time he stood up publicly and he's taught the crowds. This is my first public sermon of 2023. And so I went to Jesus' first sermon to pull out some gold for how he taught the, 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 the crowds on his first day in ministry. And in this first sermon, Jesus lays out five clear instructions. Every believer should continually, the word is, it's like Malcolm Gladwell said, repeated behaviors. This word I'm using is continually uh, repeat to move the Father's hand, which to I, to, to I believe will be tipping points of blessing. And Jesus, in his very first sermon, he goes straight to the point. He addresses five issues of the human heart. In one chapter. And in Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read this, uh, read this out loud. When you give, he starts in verse 3, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing and what, you, you, and what you're giving may be in secret, then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Verse 6, second instruction, when you pray, Go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then Jesus, as Chantel's prayed over the church this morning, he goes on to teach the disciples how to pray with the Lord's prayer. The fourth instruction, verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Verse 15 is the most unpreached scripture um, in the last hundred years, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. No one wants to talk about that verse. Interesting. Verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, as they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their water in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, that it will not be obvious to others then you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen in your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you with treasures in heaven. And finally, the fifth instruction, verse 31, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear in 2023? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his righteousness and his kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you. In Jesus' first public sermon, he addresses five human conditions, five heart conditions. The first one is greed. The second one is pride. The third one is flesh. The fourth one is unforgiveness. And the fifth one is worry. 
All of these five conditions have the potential to stop breakthroughs in your life. That's why Jesus addressed them first off. And Jesus lays out five, as Malcolm Gladwell would say, repeated behaviors to combat our human conditions. The first one he addresses is greed. He says, if you want to combat greed in your life, you've got to give. Our greed can turn, the tipping point can be giving, when I focus on others' needs, not on my own. The second condition uh, Jesus addresses is pride. Reliance on me to reliance on God. Our pride can tip over into prayer. The third issue he addresses is fasting, where we are so reliant on our flesh, we feed our flesh, Jesus addresses the crowd. He says, I want your flesh to tip to the Spirit. Reliance on the Holy Spirit, not always on food or drink or what your body is craving. And the fourth, fourth issue that Jesus addresses is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Jesus is saying to the crowd, I know some of your stories around here, and a lot of you are living with unforgiveness, and I want to see your unforgiveness tip into a life of freedom and forgiveness in this new year. And the fifth one and final one he addresses is worry. And worry can tip to trust. Jesus doesn't just lay out three problems, or sorry, five problems or five instructions. He lays out five rewards. At each one of these instructions, he says this. He says there are rewards. When we choose to live a life to give Pray, fast, forgive, and trust. The promise is that God will reward us. Things will begin to tip in the right direction. I actually don't think that we have a right to complain about the state of our lives, the state of our world, if we're not prepared to follow God's roadmap for breakthrough. With a quick, I've got a lot of opinions about a lot of things, but Jesus, at the very outset, of his ministry. He stands up on the side of a mountain. He says, I'm going to address the five big issues of the human heart. This is my big one. This is the big five. But none of you have a right to complain unless you follow these guidelines. Who's believing God for something to tip in your favor this year? Sickness to tip to health, lack to tip to plenty, closed doors to tip to open, debt to tip into freedom. Come on, house sales to tip to households. And Jesus gives us a roadmap in Matthew chapter 6 for this. Five clear problems, five clear instructions, and five clear rewards. In South Africa, we attempted to see the big five on a game drive. And uh, we saw three, three out of the five. We we, we, We were quite pleased with that. A big leopard literally jumped in the middle of the road. Just before we, just after we, uh, uh, just before we got home, that that was pretty incredible. But I want to share with you God's big five for 2023. God's big five, and um, this is really to help and pastor the church through this season. But I really believe if you take on board some of the things I'm about to share, it will really help you as you trust God for things to tip in your favor. And I'd love to say these are easy, and I'd love to say they get easier. But I noticed a a pattern as Jesus speaks. Every time he shares another one of his big five, they get harder. Okay, so they're going to start easy and get harder. Okay, the first one is he says this. This is his first instruction. He says, give. Verse three, when you give to the needy, 
When? We don't often associate giving to the poor in the same category as prayer or fasting in terms of tipping the hand of God. But from Jesus' teaching here, we can clearly see that giving is a tipping point with God. It's interesting that Jesus starts with the word when. Not if or maybe when. He places an expectation. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, an ambassador of Jesus, there is an expectation that we give. As followers of Christ, we live to give. I love driving up today and seeing all the team and the rivals team in the cafe and people who are serving in church because they are living to give. They're giving back of their time. You know, we're actually born takers. We're born into a sinful world, but we are born again givers. We're born again givers. One of the hallmarks of being a follower of Jesus is that you're a giver. Because when Jesus comes into your life, you live to give. In the book of Acts, we find out how giving to the poor actually played a critical role in what could be arguably said as the most or the greatest tipping point in church history. When Peter and Cornelius encouraged the church to give to those in need, it sparked thousands of people coming to Christ. And this is what was written in Acts chapter 10. Your prayers and gift to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Wow. As a church, we need to lead with this. This is not a suggestion. You know, often we... We've got so much lack and need in our own lives, the last thing we want to do is give, and God is saying this is the first instruction for tipping point moments in your life, is you let go of what you have. So your reliance is no longer on yourself, your reliance is on God. As a church, we need to lead with this. Um, This is not a suggestion. We came back from South Africa, and the first thing we we did is make sure that we, we, as a church, we're giving something above and beyond. And the Clare School, children for special needs, school for special needs children in our our city reached out to us and they're struggling with beds for these children. A lot of the beds had to be written off. Some of you have seen it in the news. Some of them have been written off. They're no longer suitable for use. I think we've got some pictures come up on the screen of some of the old beds. And they reached out to us and said, as a church, could we help sponsor a bed for some of these children? As a church, we were able to sponsor a bed for £5,000 this week as a church, all of us, we'd set some money aside and we're able to be a, a blessing. And then in through our heart for the house giving in 2021, um, we took an old, they, they were desperate for a, a new shower room for these children so they could shower and, and bathe in dignity. And as a church, some pictures there, that was the old shower room, but as a church, we were able to, to, to open this week the brand new shower room for the children. And uh, look at that overhead hoisting so they can be placed in the shower, new floor, new paneled walls, shower bed. This is the heart of God. Have we got a need down the road? Absolutely. Trust me, we've got big needs. We've got big bills to pay, invoices coming in. But we've got to go out and find those who are in greatest need in our city first. When I mentor pastors, I say, find the people in greatest need in your city first and bless them. And when you bless them, you open the hand of heaven over what you're doing. Tommy Barnett came to our church in 2015. We were privileged. He runs the Dream Center in, in Phoenix, Arizona, one of my heroes. And he said this. He said, John, he said, if you go after the ones that no one wants, God will bless you with the ones that everyone wants. As a church, 
I love the fact today we're sitting in this room, there's professional people here, we've got doctors in this room, we've got sports individuals in this room, we've got homeless community in this room, we've got people on a journey away from addiction in this room, and nobody knows. Because this is the heart of God. This is the heart of God. I want to say a special thank you to Nathan Rogers and all the team, the building team, for building uh, the, 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 the washroom at the Clare School. Can we thank those guys? We really do appreciate all the hard work. I walked into the church on Wednesday morning, first day back, and as, as, as I walked in, the phone was ringing in the, in, in the concourse here, and I picked up the phone. That gave him a surprise. And... Um, there's a man, he said this, first two words, he says, I'm cold and I'm hungry. 20 to 9 in the morning. He said, I was told this is the only place that could help me. First of all, I was moved, moved the, the fact that he would think about Soul Church. He'd think about Soul Church. We're not just known as a church that loves to lift up our hands and jump up and down. That actually, we're known as a church that helps people, yeah. feeds people, yeah. if we can, help heat their home. And as, as a church... Uh, Bill, who's one of our incredible team, was able to go out and organize some food and help. In fact, they're picking him up and bringing him to Wellbeing Wednesday this week. <laughs> Love that. Jesus' first instruction was, was give. He says, if you want to things, see things tip in your life, find someone who's in greater need in yourself and give. I want us all to find someone in the next 21 days, we're starting this journey of the, today, find someone and bless them. Yeah. This is a challenge. If you, if you desperately need God to move in your life, find someone who's in greater need than you and bless them. That could be time, that could be finance, that could be a lift to church, that could be, that could be an, anything. It could be a, a box of food for someone you know is in great need. But we are living in a day and age where people are in great, great need. And as a church, we have a spiritual responsibility to help people. Yes. If you need a breakthrough, our first instructions from Jesus is to give. Yes. The first problem that Jesus addresses of the human heart is greed. And he says the first tipping point is to give. The second, the second issue that Christ addresses is pray. Again, he starts with the word when. When you pray. There's an expectation if you're a follower of Christ that you pray. When I stood at the altar with Chantel 16 years ago and said, I do, there was an expectation at that moment we would talk to each other. Men, <clears throat> there's an expectation from your spouse that you might talk to them. Not grunt at them. When you pray, Jesus says, go into your room, Shut the door and pray to your Father. Often we put our hand up, screw the light bulb in, and we carry on as if nothing has changed in our life. But when you become a follower of Christ, you have direct access to the Father through Jesus. And like giving prayer, there is an expectation that you will talk to the Father. And I actually think, if I'm honest, it's not that people don't want to pray. They don't know when to pray. They don't know how to pray. They feel embarrassed about prayer. They feel religious about prayer. There's all sorts of emotions that come up when it comes to praying. And I actually think Jesus recognized this. He recognized this in the crowd. He recognized their struggle to pray. He recognized the distractions around them. And so he said, hey, I'm going to teach you how to pray. 
He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is how you should pray. And the series that we're in for the next three weeks is really to galvanize the church to fall in love with prayer. We never know which prayer is going to be the tipping point to change in our life. We never know. Could we be a hundred prayers away from the war ceasing in Ukraine? The Bible says wars will cease. It doesn't say when, it doesn't say how, it just says wars will cease. Could we be a thousand prayers away? Could you be two prayers away from your house selling but you've given up? Pray without ceasing. Could you be one prayer away from your marriage being saved? But you prayed a hundred times and nothing happened. And it was just about to tip over. What do we know about prayer? A few things we know about prayer. You write down. And next week we're going to jump into this a little bit more. But first thing you know is, is, is prayer is for everyone. I know Christians. I know Christians who pray. And I know people who don't know Jesus who pray. It's amazing when something happens. You know, on a worldwide catastrophe, suddenly the emojis start appearing everywhere, don't they? You told me you're an atheist last week, and now we're praying. Who are you praying to? God. Which God? I'm not sure. We'll talk about this more next week, but. Prayer is for everyone. What else do we know about prayer is God hears every prayer. Every prayer God hears. Nothing too big, nothing too small. He cares about you getting a parking space on a Saturday afternoon when the football's on at Carrow Road and you'd forgotten. And you're like, ah, oh, these crazy people. And he cares that a member of your family's been given a terminal diagnosis. He cares about the environment. He cares about the prejudices in our world. He cares about the racial injustices. He cares about everything, yet he still loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear every prayer. Third thing about prayer is prayer takes practice. Prayer, prayer is rewarded. Prayer takes practice. It takes time to develop confidence. People come to me all the time, they say, I don't know how to pray. I'll sit in my office and they'll be telling me all their problems. And I say, well, should we pray together? Do you want to pray? I don't know how to pray. I was like, well, tell God everything you just told me exactly the same way. Just change the name. <laughs> just say God instead of John. Really? Yeah, really. You can talk to, just as you talk, just, just talk to God. God, I'm having a really tough day. That's a prayer. That's a prayer. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. What else do we know about prayer? Prayer is based on friendship, not formula. The Lord's prayer is not just a formula, but it's a prayer to draw us closer to the Father. Jesus could see people struggling to pray. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to write out a prayer. I'm going to give you a prayer map. And I want you to follow it because it's going to help you build a closer relationship with the Father. I love what Chantel said this morning. Our Father. And she said that my dad's not alive. And I know for many of you, your father's not around or you're disconnected, not alive. So when I say those words, our father, it's so personal. Beautiful. What? You know, we could just stop there. Our father. Wow. Got a dad. Our father. Maybe your dad, maybe your dad didn't treat you well. Maybe your dad wasn't there for you. But your heavenly father is there. And when you say those two words, 
our Father. There's like this closeness. I can feel his presence because it's you and I coming together. Beautiful, our Father. What else do we know about prayer is prayer empties us up and prayer fills us up. Prayer empties us out. We go to God and we pray and we say, God, I'm so angry, I'm so mad, I'm so upset, messed up. We can empty ourselves through prayer. And on the other hand, we can fill ourselves up. God fills us with his forgiveness and his grace, his mercy and his strength and his wisdom. So on one hand, we're emptying ourselves up in prayer and on the other hand, we're filling ourselves up. We've created, I'm going to ask the team right now to hand out, we've created these little tipping point prayer maps for the next 21 days. And uh, what I want you to do is just, just, just hold on to this during the message. Don't, don't read it today. Um, I'll explain. Don't read it in, during the message. I'll, I'll explain uh, exactly how it works. We've got a PDF one for you to download online on the website, on Facebook, and various other places. But we want to help the church over the next 21 days. I'm going to be talking about some of these other areas. But the, the, the big one is prayer. And um, we're going to encourage the church for us all to go on this prayer journey together. The first one is morning prayer. Morning prayer. And for some of you, you're in the 5 a.m. club. Okay, who's all the early birds? 5 a.m., okay. Where's all the students? <clears throat> 5 p.m. is, no, I'm kidding. No, no. So whenever, whenever you've got up, brush your teeth, got yourself ready, we, we want you to say the Lord's Prayer. There's, there's three, three kind of directions we want to go. The first is morning prayer. We want to say the Lord's Prayer together. We want to unlock the power of the Lord's Prayer in our lives over the next 21 days. The second is, is, is midday. Is midday. For some of you, your, your morning prayer and your midday prayer might be closer than others. <laughs> but we've, re- we, we, we've chosen 21 um, psalms that are really prayer focused. And we want you to read them out and declare them over you and your family and your home uh, around lunchtime uh, together. And there's some real power. We're going to start with Psalm 1 tomorrow at midday. And then in the evening, um, we're calling them prayers of thanksgiving. And we want you just to basically say thank you to God for everything God has done for you in that day. And if all you have is God got me through this day, that's a prayer of thanksgiving. The day didn't go as I'd planned, but guess what? I got through the day. And we just want to create some prayer habits in our lives. And as we create these prayer habits, we're believing that things are just going to begin to tip in our favor. And so if you struggle with prayer, okay, and that, I know that is a whole lot of people here today. If prayer is a real struggle for you, come on this journey with us. Just keep hold of this. You can download it electronically as well. And let's together have morning prayers, midday prayers, and evening thanksgiving. And let's believe God that we can see a tipping point. And also on a Wednesday, we have a prayer gathering here. Now I know Wednesdays is the worst time ever at midday, but we don't want to put people out in the evenings. But Wednesday at 12 o'clock midday for 30 minutes is called War Room. And I am believing for hundreds of people to be at our prayer gatherings on a Wednesday. I'm asking you to leave work for half an hour. I'm asking you to get here if you can. And we're going to call upon the name of the Lord for 21 days on a Wednesday. And we're believing for things to shift. Nothing is going to change until we make some changes. 
Nothing is going to change in our lives as what's called insanity until we make some changes. And I am asking that our church, if you can, will come out to pray on a Wednesday for 30 minutes. And we're going to believe that things are going to begin to tip in our lives. In Jesus' name. And uh, yeah, let's believe that prayer will turn from a duty to a delight. Wouldn't it be great if our church fell in love with prayer? I was in Nigeria in November, and my word, thousands of them, seven o'clock in the morning, thousands of them in a tent praying. First thing I did is ask God to forgive me for my lack of understanding, my lack of love for prayer. We want things to change in our lives, but nothing is going to change until we seek God's face. And when we seek God's face, he will open his hand. First thing God says is give. Second instruction is pray. These don't get any easier. Third thing. The third instruction he teaches the crowd is to forgive. Forgive other people when they, they sin against you. My goodness. Forgive? It's no secret that those who are closest to us can, can wound us and hurt us more, most. And many of you have been hurt. And I know some of your stories that I've been able to listen to. And I'm so sorry for how you have been treated in this life. But in moments of unthinkable betrayal and rejection and pain, Jesus, how am I meant to, how am I meant to respond? How do we free ourselves from the entanglement of toxic stress and the emotions that connect themselves to unforgiveness? There is a better way, and the better way is we have to learn to forgive. Again, this is not optional. Jesus was teaching here, he said, this is not an option. It's not a give or take. And I've studied forgiveness and unforgiveness from the sacred and the secular, and there is no magic pill that can ever come close to forgiving someone. Nothing that can come close to it. Hurt and rejection are never, ever loads that we were designed to carry. We were not created to carry around unforgiveness. That's why it causes so much pain in our lives. There's a few things to consider when it comes to forgiving others. And this is more of a, an hour's teaching crammed into 10 minutes. But I kind of want to get the premise of what Jesus was teaching here on the sermon, but when it comes to forgiveness, we've got to learn, first of all, to forgive ourselves. Sometimes it's a lot easier to forgive others than to forgive ourselves. In fact, I know people are really good at forgiving others, but they're no good at forgiving themselves. What is grace? Grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. God's gift of grace in his son Jesus. We receive something that we don't deserve. Many good people I know have the giving side of life down really good, but not very good at receiving. Maybe it's time today to look back at something you've never forgiven yourself and at the start of this new year make a decision that God's grace is enough to forgive yourself. I have some amazing news to share with you at the start of the year. God will never define you by your greatest mistake. Neither should you. Is anyone grateful for the grace of God? Is anyone grateful for his mercy today? 
God has not defined you by your mistakes of your past. He's defined you by what Jesus did for you on the cross. Your past and your sin is cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. Today, you are forgiven. You can forgive yourselves. Forgiven people forgive much. I encourage you today. Until you understand you're forgiven, you'll never be able to forgive yourself or forgive others. Today, you are forgiven. I just want to just labor on this for one minute. Someone just needs to hear this. You are forgiven in Jesus' name. God's grace is abounding in your life. Stop remembering what God's forgotten. Come on, some of you, just come on, some of you, just some of you have heard those words, shame on you. I want to say shame off you today. Shame off you in Jesus' name. God's grace all over you today. Come on, it's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a clear instruction from Jesus this day to forgive. Forgive. What else do we know? Forgiveness is a choice. If you're struggling with unforgiveness, you've got to ask God for help to forgive. None of us can forgive in our own strength. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, choosing to forgive could be the very thing holding something back in your life. I meet people all the time, I can see that one thing in their life and it's literally stopping things tipping. Stopping opportunities coming their way, stopping things happening. When you choose to forgive, it's like a flood that will come over your life. You choose to forgive. I've seen it in Chantel's life. When she chose to forgive, the blessing of God on her. When we focus on our hurt and those who hurt us, we can miss the good thing that is standing just a few feet away. So many good things and God's like, you're not quite ready. Third thing is this, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's many people that are walking this journey. Many people have been through experience, betrayal, rejection. In fact, Jesus is probably the greatest example of this. When they were crucifying him, He could have canceled every single person there who was mocking him. Do you know Jesus could have struck dead the man who was hammering nails into his hand in that moment. Jesus had all authority and power in heaven. In that moment, Jesus could have struck that man dead. If anyone was trying to do that to me, and I had the power to stop him, come on, if someone was trying to strangle you, and you had the power to overthrow him in that moment, all of us would use that power. Yet Jesus, in the moment of greatest distress, rejection, pain, he chose, he says, he says, Father, forgive them. What? Father, forgive them? They're hammering nails into my limbs. And in this moment of physical and emotional pain, he paints the greatest picture and example of forgiveness for us to follow. And if you're waiting for time to heal unforgiveness, it doesn't. It doesn't. But forgiveness can. Forgiveness can. And forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice. And Jesus chose to forgive his enemies. I'm believing at the end of this 21-day period, people are going to love like you've never been hurt. I'll say that again. I'm going to believe that people are going to love like they've never been hurt. 
people are going to love like they've never been hurt. I'm believing in this 21 days, people are going to literally let go of things that have been held against you. You're going to forgive yourself. You're going to let go of words that have been said, blogs that have been written, painful moments in your life. Forgiveness, by the way, doesn't make them right. It sets you free. So if you think forgiveness settles, it doesn't settle it. It just makes it right in your heart. Jesus will always work out the details. Okay, give, pray, forgive. I said it wasn't going to get any easier. I was going to have some water. Fast. Fast. I mean, what a first sermon. What an entry to public speaking from Jesus here. When you fast. He didn't get on the side of the mountain and say, I've got an idea, a suggestion. He said, when? When you forgive, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. Up until this point, we think, well, isn't that enough just to tip, tip things? And God says, no. In fact, in Mark 9, 29, it says, this kind, this kind come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There are some things that only prayer and fasting will shift. And 2023 is set to be our greatest year as individuals and for the church. But 21 days, we're going to lay a spiritual foundation. I am calling the church from midnight tonight to 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm calling it. It's a call, okay? You say, well, I'm going to fast social media. That's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. We're not talking about social media. If Jesus was talking about social media, he'd have talked about it. He's talking about food and drink. Okay, now I'm not expecting people to do a water fast, okay? But we've laid out some guidelines on the back. And one of the things that's really, really good is the Daniel fast. And I have got a money-back guarantee for you. That if you stick to the Daniel fast for 21 days and you are feeling worse, okay, now if you have medical conditions, if you have any kind of thing, you need to follow your doctor's guidelines, okay? So don't come back to me, you know, you nearly killed me. Okay, I don't... uh, (coughs) Okay, we've got some stuff on our website. We've, We've written some things out there to help you. For 21 days, the Daniel fast is fruit, vegetable, okay, and grains. For 21 days, we're gonna detox spiritually physically and emotionally. I have never met anyone who's done a Daniel fast and said, John, that was a total waste of time. Every single time I feel fresh, my body feels good, my mind feels relaxed, I spiritually feel closer to God. And so for 21 days, starting from tonight, our staff and our team are going to lead with this. We're going to believe God for the tipping point moments as we fast. And by the way, all the greats in the Bible fasted. Moses, David, Daniel, Nehemiah, Elijah, Paul, even Jesus himself before he began ministry, he fasted. And Jesus uh, wouldn't have not been able to accomplish what he did on earth without fasting. And out of 365 days of the year, 21 days is not long to take a time out from our routine and experience a fresh closeness to Jesus. And what does, fastness accomplish, what does fasting accomplish? It brings us closer to God. It simply brings us closer to the Father. And again, just like, just like giving, just like forgiveness, fasting is a choice. It's a daily routine where we draw closer to God. And um, I will say this, fasting doesn't make you better than anyone else. And fasting isn't something we paste all over social media. The Bible says, if you're fasting, keep it to yourself. 
This is, this is between you and God. You just do what you feel to do. Maybe you feel like giving up sugar, maybe fast food, comfort foods, but you go on your own journey with this. All I know is everyone does something. We're gonna see things begin to tip. And uh, it, fasting really is a short-term season that releases long-term rewards in our life. And as we, as we, as we neglect our flesh, you know, you know, our flesh and our spirit are about to go to war because our flesh is what's constantly screaming, you need that. We want what we want and we want it now. We want the burger, we want the cheesecake. Oh, we want the... <laughs> is anyone else out there got an addiction to cheesecake or is it just me? Four people, I don't believe you. I believe, I believe that God has accelerated the destiny of this church through fasting. What's happening in our church is supernatural in nine years. Okay, we have a 50-year heritage in nine years of Soul Church. But I can honestly say that through fasting, God has accelerated. I think we would be years behind with the number of people, the number of salvations, the number of the building going up. I believe that this 21 days has literally accelerated this church. Whenever I meet pastors, I say, are you doing a fast? Oh, no, that's not really cool. It's not really trendy. <laughs> trendy. Are we here to be trendy or full of truth? And, and so, you know, we've got to go back to the principles. What did Jesus teach? Give, pray, forgive, fast. Well, none of that's trendy. All of it works. All of it works. So all the guides about fasting, Daniel Fast, Sugar Free, all that is, is in here. And... Um, and here's the reward. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Give, pray, forgive. Fast. Number five, as the team comes up, I think this is the hardest one. It might seem like the, the easiest one, but I think this is the hardest one. Ready? He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. The fifth one is trust. Trust. God, are you serious? You want me to fully trust you? Do, you? do you know anything about my life? Do you know about my boss, my bank balance, my mother-in-law? My job? How on earth can anybody tell me not to worry? It can be quite patronizing, it, can't it, when people say, oh, don't worry. It's like, it's all right for you. You don't live with it. It, I said. I chose my word very carefully. You don't live with them. You don't see my pressures on a day-to-day -day basis. You don't know what it's like to be me. Here Jesus stands on the side of the mountain. He says, I've got one last one for you. And he says, do not worry. They're freaking out because they're thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do for work. I don't know what I'm going to do to feed my children. How can he tell me not to worry? And again, we don't get to choose. Jesus, he goes a little bit further on this one. He, he moves the when, when you pray, when you fast. And he says this, he says, I tell you. Do you love people who tell you? This is like, he's coming down on them at the end. It's not a soft landing. He says, I tell you. Jesus wasn't getting the crowd's opinion. He was getting their attention. If anyone walks in a room and says, right, stand up. I've got something to tell you. This was a Jesus. He was, he was commanding the crowd. 
You know, the Bible says, do not, in relation to worry, anxiety, and fear, 365 times. Wow. What an accident, eh? What a coincidence. Or maybe Jesus recognized that out of all the big five, this was the one that people struggle with the most. This was the condition of the human heart that he had to take some time out with. Why was Jesus speaking on this topic? Because he knew the damage that worry does and anxiety. You know, mental health is it's a big problem, but it's, it's not a new problem. It's a problem that's been around for centuries. We just now got language for it. But Jesus had, could see the mental health challenges on the side of the mountain. That's why he couldn't let this one go. So I need to address this because I can see the fear and the worry and the stress. I could see it on your faces. Jesus says, you know, worry, worry is a thief. How much time do we spend worrying? It robs of, of our creativity, our innovation. It robs us of making memories. It robs us of enjoying life. We lay in bed, we sit in the chair, we drive to work, and all we can think about is what if. What if, and we paint the worst case scenarios for our children, for our future, for our lives, for our day, and the devil's constantly trying to work out and plant these seeds in our in our eyes because he wants to steal the very life which Christ came to give. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and live life to the full. And the enemy can see the life that Christ has given us and he wants to steal it from us. How does he do that? Through worry. In my book, Unmasked, I talk about worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't go anywhere. You just rock. And I make too many Christians that are rocking in worry and fear and anxiety. It's time to stand up and shift the chair away. Today, we're going to put our trust in Jesus for 2023. You know, worry is also a sin. Sorry if this is straight, but Romans 14, 23 says, Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Unless you can worry by faith... Oh, I'm a faith-filled warrior. <laughs> Full of faith. God doesn't want you to worry. Worry is actually a disease as well. Dis-ease. It puts yourself dis-ease. We lose the ease and the rest God created for us. A heart at peace gives life to the body. You know, worry is now the new normal. Meet 15-year-olds stressed out on pills. One in six people now in the UK struggle with anxiety attacks and, and disorders. Wow. So what's the answer? Do we accept it? I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to accept it. I recognize it, but I don't have to accept it. Do I give in to it? Or surely there must be another way to live. Surely there has to be another way than the way the world is going. Because I believe this, worry is not God's plan for my life. When Jesus stood up on that mountain, he says, there is another way. Some of us have just accepted that worry and anxiety is part of the plan of God for my life. It is not. John, I'm just a born worrier. That's not who God created you to be. He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not fearfully and worryingly made. Fearfully and wonderfully made.
over the next 21 days, we're going to shift from worry to trust. Why? Because the more you get to know Jesus over this next 21 days, the more you'll trust him. See, the more I know Chantel, the more I trust her. We just trust each other. She can have my phone, I can have her phone. We just trust each other. The more I get to know Jesus, the more I trust him. Do I always agree with him? Someone cuts you up on the side of the road? Jesus says, turn the other cheek. I don't agree with that at that moment, but I trust it. The more I get to know Jesus, the more I trust him. Some of you have set some incredible 2023 goals for for the new year. I want to set you a goal from Paul's letters to the Philippines. Philippines. Am I still on? Maybe I just have the... Have a microphone. Thank you. The more I know Jesus, the more I trust him. Paul said this, the apostle, he said, my determined goal is to know him and the power of the resurrection. What a goal for 2023. These next 21 days, we're going to get to know Jesus even closer. God doesn't need our help for the next 21 days. He needs our hearts. And we're going to draw close to him. And God's desire is for things to tip in the right direction. So, beginning tonight at midnight, I choose to give. I choose to pray. I choose to fast. I choose to forgive. And I choose to trust. Who's joining me? I want you to stand. Saying, John, I've got some things that are stuck. I've got some things that just don't seem to move. I'm trying to break some habits. I'm trying to break some things in my life and nothing has changed. Well, Jesus, in his very first sermon, he sets out this roadmap. Let's go back to what Malcolm Gladwell says. He says, repeated behaviors build an accumulative effect to a critical mass. When that tipping point is reached, a breakthrough occurs. For the next 21 days, We're going to go through these instructions from Jesus. We're going to believe that a critical mass is going to build up a prayer. Critical mass, we're going to turn the heart of God. And I expect then, I expect rewards. It's what God's word promises me. I expect things to tip in my favor, miracles, breakthrough. I expect things to change at my work. I expect things to change in my marriage. Come on, who's got a great expectation for 2023? You're just going to sit back. Nothing's going to change. Say, God, I'm going to take this next 21 days seriously. I'm going to, I'm going to lay some things aside. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to, through your help, I'm going, to, I'm going to let go of some of the things, some of the words, some of the things that have been done to me. Because, God, I want to see things tip in my favor. So right now, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, We come to you right now and we ask with your help that you would give us the strength over these next few days. Father, as we we draw close to you through our giving, through prayer, through, through fasting, through forgiveness, through trusting, Father, we would hear the heart of God. Lord, that you would begin to shift things in the spiritual. As you begin to shift things in the spiritual, they begin to shift in the natural as well. 
Father, I pray that marriages would be reconciled. I really feel strongly in this 21 days there's going to be reconciliation in marriages. Marriages that have drifted apart. Marriages that maybe are just one phone call away from separation. I believe that God is going to draw you closer together. There's going to be intimacy again in the marriage. I'm believing God, Father God, for those who've written off, written off marriage in their life. They've said, I'm too old. I'm not good enough. I'm believing God's going to bring someone into your life. Come on, who, who's believing that? You don't have to put your hand up, but okay, put your hand up. I don't care. Maybe look around as well. Could be your moment. Be honest, you struggle with worry. Where's, where's those you struggle with worry? It's just, it's all right. We all do that. Do not worry. Father, we make a decision over these next 21 days to put our trust in you. When those thoughts, those emotions come, that, that question so many things in our lives, Father, we, we, we put it back onto you. You are our heavenly Father. If you clothe the grass, if you feed the birds, if you look after Father God, nature, Father, how much more will you look after your children? So Lord, I pray that you would take care, take care of families, especially in this season where there's so much challenge, there's so much economic pressure, you would look after us, Father. We choose today. I choose to trust. I want you to say this out loud. I choose to trust. I choose to trust. My hope is in you. I thank you. You will look after me. You will take care of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to pray for one more group of people. You're saying today, never made a decision to follow Christ. Been coming to church for a few weeks, for a few months, maybe you've been watching online. Maybe your first time back since, since Christmas and you've come back to church today. Or maybe you just find yourself in church. You're not really sure why you're here. You can sense that God is, God is speaking to you today. He wants a relationship with you. You've never invited Jesus to become the Lord and the Savior of your life. This is your moment to receive his grace. Maybe you're trying to forgive yourself. Well, here's the news. You can't forgive yourself in your own strength. That's why you need Jesus, to forgive yourself and to forgive others. Everything I'm talking about today, the starting point is relationship with him. So I'm simply going to count to three. Watching online, this is for you as well. You say, yeah, that's for me today, John. I want to receive the grace, the forgiveness, the love of Jesus in my life. His heart is towards you. He's got a good plan for your life. Today is the tipping point for you to move from an old life to a brand new life in him. So as I get to three, just slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I can see it. I'd love to pray for you. One, God loves you. Two, would you have the courage just to say, hey, John, include me in that prayer. Three, just slip up your hand nice and high. Say, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, that's for me. God bless you. Amazing. God bless you. Well done. We're going to say this prayer out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that prayer.
And if you lifted up your hand, whether you're in the room or online, if you're online, just give us a signal, let us know, drop, drop something in the, in the chat. And uh, even in the room, our team are going to be outside in the foyers afterwards. Just be holding up some Bibles. Please go and let, go and let them know that you made that decision today to receive Jesus. And this isn't, this isn't, this isn't the end. It's the start. Glorious adventure. And uh, we'd love to help you on this journey. So please let us know. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Awesome. Okay, why don't, you, why don't you take a seat? Who's going to take this on for the next 21 days? Who's nervous? going to be awesome. We're going to pray together, fast together, give together. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.